Everybody knows these three amigos got the soul. Start with Kenneth, the neuroscientist understands if you're buying it. Yo, he's barking it, bite. Yeah, in the dark and the light, he understands more than duality. It's a delight. Now, Ali, he got the philosophy, understands what you've got beyond psychology. He's a spiritual genius and he sees it, he flows it, knows because the way is quite scenic. Yeah. Got the sacred math and he will rip it in half because he forges a new path. But first, we gotta get to the third. Never been the worst cause the line's not blurred. David, he got the real true theology. Take that stuff, yeah, got that psychology. Now I'm protected, over-selected, fuck. He knows the holy book, he takes a look. He knows that the shepherd's not crooked. Understands that God is good and look it. All the angels coming down and flowing. No telling where that gospel is going. But he knows the future is bright As long as his heart is open He can last the night As long as our heart is open We can feel the flow And go and go and grow And we got some Hello, this is On The Verge I'm David Leon And I'm joined by my usual co-hosts Kenneth Shinizuka and Ali Rezal Midvar Today I have been given the unenviable task Of trying to introduce the concept of the subtle body and I would do though I would do so <clears throat> and I would do so in my typical zigzag fashion. <laughs> so we'll start in time. Um, the subtle body, as far as I understand, is a term that comes in in the sort of nineteenth century, right? As um, Western, particularly occultist and sort of alternative intellectual movements are trying to make sense of uh, Eastern forms of thought, specifically Indian forms of thought and, and Chinese. And it refers to, uh, let's see, it refers to the body beyond what we normally experience of it in its simplest form, right? Um, so to take a sort of metaphysical approach within other, other worldviews than, than that most commonly held today, the world is composed of different layers. The reality is composed of different layers. On the lowest, most gross, most unsubtle uh, level is the material, right? And that's the level of, of sort of things and, and objects, right? But then as you peel back the layers of the onions of reality, you get to subtler and subtle, more and more energetic, um, more and more sort of astral, more and more. So it, and this, is, this is summing up things from Platonism through to sort of uh, post-Upanishadic, conceptions in India, but the basic idea that like the reality sort of goes from from very thick and solid and sedimented at the bottom, mm. I think of a pond, mm. right, to sort of lighter and lighter and lighter and lighter, to at the top we're just floating there with the, in an ethereal kind of realm, and then mm. there's something that usually transcendent beyond, right? So then from that kind of metaphysical idea, the, the subtle body is us as we exist on that ascending order. Of, 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 of metaphysical reality, right? Which is in some sense actually more real. Yeah. Um, so that that's the sort of high-flying theory of it, right? But what I would say is that, so and of course, if you want to learn more about that, I would actually um, refer you to sort of history of thought because then the, the different conceptions of this are all quite different, right? What you get in ancient China is quite different from what you get in India. And a lot of the kind of concepts that we have that we're working with now in the West, generally speaking, sort of New Age reinterpretations of tantric practices, so medieval Indian uh, theories and sort of schemas right. of the body, right? 
And I would say, if you want to get into that, I'm, I'm no expert, and it's been some time since I've delved into it uh, on a sort of amateur level. But I would say, basically, best to avoid thinking in those terms for now. And so in terms of our discussion today, I don't think that's the way we're going to go. We're going to think of the subtle body experientially, right? the subtle body phenomenologically, the subtle body in the sense of how does the body appear to us through our own perception of the body, right? And what this is the key point. What you find is that the more you pay attention to the direct perception of the body, the lighter and more diffuse it becomes, right? Yeah. Um, as you sort of begin sort of sort of body scan meditations, you basically get the yeah. sense this a naive sensation of what your body is. But the more you delve in, the more it feels that it's less and less solid, and it's more and you can feel much more than you thought you could. That's always that. There's always deeper and deeper and deeper and mm. deeper levels to which your mind will allow you to access your own body. And as you go deeper, it's actually more of a, more of it feels more and more and more like energy. And less and less and less and less like sort of solid matter, right? Mm. Uh, so that's the basic thing. The more you delve into so that's basically what we're talking about. We're not specifically speaking about anything uh, uh, pseudoscientific, really. We're not talking, we're not making, in fact, any claims about the objective quality of these things. It's more about uh, I think the way it's sort of studied today in sort of modern, um, f- from a sort of scientific perspective, is, is, is as an interoceptive map. Mm. Interoception being. Uh, so perception being like perception, right? Sort of the feeling sensation of the inside of your body. Mm. So what does your body feel like to you? And then, you know, exploring this in a deeper and deeper, deeper way leads to sort of more and more and more and more subtle. Uh, subtle in the sense of, of, of less obvious, mm. again, more, more like energy than like something solid. That's the basic idea, right? And so the first, the first thing I would say that for me over the last few years of exploring this, I found, yeah, that it just gets more and more and more and more. And so like the, the, the more you, I sort of pay attention to the body, the more I sort of just tune into it, the more it becomes this field, mm-hmm. right, of subtle tingling mm-hmm. and so the sort of mm-hmm. subtle vibrations, mm-hmm. right? These are these constantly flowing mm-hmm. vibrations, right? That's certainly the case. So a question on that, right? So, so it seems like we're basically, when, when you say that the body feels more energetic, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It seems like you're essentially contrasting that with solidity. Yeah. That there is a solidity on one end and diffuseness on the other. Yeah. Um, but it seems like the idea of energy and accessing um, a state of the body that is more energetic seems to entail more than just, you know, diffuseness, more than just the absence of solidity. I mean, you talk about vibrations, etc. Mm-hmm. And And one thing that, you know, is very difficult when um, characterizing altered states of consciousness is understanding, yeah, well, like, what exactly do we mean um, when we say that consciousness becomes altered? In other words, what what do we mean when we say mm. the body becomes more energetic? Mm. What do we mean when we talk about vibrations? Um, so so maybe yeah. you can talk about that from your experience. That, that's a very, I, can, I can talk about it from our experience. Yeah. There's, okay. a, there's, a, there's a very, there's, I think this is, it's a really good question. And so for any, any listeners here, I would invite you to do this following, you know, experiment directly. And we did this a few, together a few weeks ago, yes. Kenneth. Just rub your hands together. Rub your hands together, the palms, the palm against the back of the hand, the back of the hand against the back of the hand, switch hands and everywhere, in between the fingers, and really go, you know, the wrists, really go to thorough, thorough going for maybe, you know, give it 20, 30 seconds. You know, it doesn't have to be super hard, but, you know, really, 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 really rub your two hands together. 
And then when you stop, just feel your hands. And you notice that Mm. So there's so much more alive, mm, right? Mm, mm, mm. There's this sort of th- your, your nerves are activated, mm-hmm. and there's just this sense of like one, one, one. And so the hands are a very good place to start. Mm. And then, the, and it's just the kind of thing where, okay, so you know, you start off, you know, a few years ago, I might have done something like this and felt a little bit, and now that little bit, which I would have, you know, I can just tune into that without rubbing my hands. Mm-hmm. It's just the moment I just pay attention to my hands, there is just this oh. Like little electrical impulses, mm-hmm. just shooting around it, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you can expand that sort of sense of, of, of yeah, tingling, or typically that very strange sensations of heat and coolness, mm-hmm. all these sort of mm-hmm. moving. Right? Uh, you can extend the sort of the channels of that past just the obvious things like the face and the sort of parts, some parts of the head and the hands, through to other parts of the body that you weren't mm-hmm. really aware mm-hmm. of, right? Until so that kind of perception of the body is more or less constant and more or less mm-hmm. um, uh, 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 universal in scope, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that would just, so, so it really is just that, right? Like it might seem trivial, but that mm. uh, that, that activated sensation mm. of sort mm-hmm. of nervous, not nervous mm-hmm. energy, but yeah, but nervous sort of excitation, mm-hmm. of, the excitation mm-hmm. of the nerves mm-hmm. in something like the hands after you've rubbed them, mm-hmm. it is just that extended throughout the body. But th- at that point you realize just how much of just how much of you was actually living in that, mm-hmm, so just mm-hmm. how much of your emotions was actually in that field, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Sort of slightly subliminal, slightly below the realm of your normal so, consciousness. Right? Yeah, so this is interesting because, I mean, the exercise that, that you led us through, right, mm-hmm. was one of, you know, rubbing the hands together. Mm-hmm. So it's an exercise involving activity, right, mm-hmm. of doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas it seems to me like the act of getting um, in touch with your subtle body mm-hmm. is one that is... Uh, that involves being still. Of course, yeah. Um, so, so yeah. How do you how do you reconcile that? Or, or or is that what subtle body meditation is? Is that is it just an act of stillness of, of contemplation of of essentially accessing like a more mindful state? It, it it is just because you can't really like well, the more put it this way, the more you're acting, the more you're in motion, the less your body's going to increase its sensitivity. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, this is the current level of sensitivity. I'm currently acting. I'm not going to intake any more information. I'm mm-hmm. now acting. Right. So when you switch your body, when you switch your, the, the, the aspect of your mind to a completely observational status, mm-hmm. and not externally, but mm-hmm. internally, mm-hmm. internally observing, then the instant sensitivity increases and increases and increases and increases. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, that was a very crude exercise mm-hmm. about the tingling of the hands. That was just to get, to get so, like, almost anyone, no matter how insensitive right, they are to, these, to, sort of, to, to get this interceptive sensitivity, mm-hmm. no matter how insensitive they are, they'll get something, or they're mm-hmm. most likely to get something. Right. Uh, whereas, yeah, it might take five minutes, mm-hmm. ten minutes of just sitting there and observing, but that's what will, in the end, lead to the kind of ease with which you'll be able to access this and the consistency with which you'll be able to access this and the depth and, and, and the consistency of the sensitivity, right? Mm-hmm. That is something that is born from without any activity, right. just through attending, just sitting there and feeling your body mm-hmm. and feeling your body and, feel, and just realizing there's more and more and more and more and more. Right? Mm-hmm. So just a quick question, David. Uh, what is your experience uh, with the subtle body in terms of the first time you began mm. to feel it and not dismiss it as just any other sensation? Yeah. Um, what was, when was that point and what was the journey from that point until today? Can right, you take us right. through that journey? 
Sure. So briefly, um, I'd say the, fir- the first major, again, it always starts with reading in my case, uh, but then in terms of personal experience, the first major breakthrough came in meditation retreat, just mm. because you just need that time to, to break through certain, uh, you just need time out to fully focus on this and and get past the, the sort of the normal habits of the mind, right? You sort of just, just as, as training anything, right? It's just, just to get that opportunity to break new ground. You need the sort of fullness of focus for that. Mm. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I guess at first I was very surprised because I, I hadn't, I, I'd had these sort of naive notions of sort of Buddhism, especially Buddhism as it's, as it's uh, explained in the West or as it's sort of marketed in the West is very much, I mean, due to various historical factors, is very much presented as a mind-only practice. Right? It's about mm. looking at your mind. And so I was quite surprised the extent to which, really pretty unanimously amongst sort of Buddhist teachers, they're constantly going through the body. And so then, so, you know, if I finally just attended to that, and then, it started, then you start to really get these sensations. And then you leave meditation retreat, and they're, they're kind of sub, they, they, within days mm. they, they subside. Right? Mm. But nevertheless, that's what really said, okay, wait, there's clearly something going on here. And then so through, so through consistency of meditation practice, um, it got deeper and deeper, deeper, and more and more and more consistent. Now, I'll, I'll say a few things. A few things that were interesting and, and of note. Uh, the first is that I w- was quite surprised to find, and, and it, it was funny because it was almost something that, as happens happens often, I only realized in retrospect, mm. which was that this field of subtle tingling extends outside mm. the body. Mm. And mm. if we want to give another sort of crude example of this, it's like the idea of personal space. So just, mm. just like you know how you feel if someone's just kind of standing next to you and they're too close, you feel that almost physically. It's as if they're mm. sort of mm. touching some yes, part of yes, you, right? Yes, yes. And so again, at first, there's, like, we're not making any sort of physical, exp- I'm not mm. saying anything, yeah. but in terms of your own perception of what your, your own self is like, you do have this sort of weird like hair tingling sensitivity to the space around you, mm. which can, which when there's someone you don't particularly like and trust or know, in your direct physical proximity, all of a sudden this becomes very activated and you notice this. So with the subtle body, it's just an extension of that basic mm. feeling, which we all understand to yeah. a much more intense degree, mm. where I'll just be there and I'll just, just for an hour, just be absolutely shocked at all the things that are going on about a foot to the right of my head and above my right shoulder. There's just a world there. <laughs> There's a whole like s- sequence of ocean currents mm, mm. <laughs> like, whirling there, at least in, in my own mm. perception of that space around me. Mm. Right? And realizing that like my sense of myself as a physical object transcends my the boundaries which my mind imposes on what I am as a physical object. Right? Everything that's sort of around me for quite a while is something that I actually perceive physically in the same way that I would perceive actually parts of my own body, right? So again, not saying that, uh, that, that this, uh, I get some sort of, I'm not saying anything like, okay, if I were to close my eyes and you were to place whatever, like a certain, like, there were 10 coins on the table, I would be able to close my eyes, hover my hand around it and count the 10 coins. I'm not sort of saying anything, it would give me any sort of supernatural powers. But just the point being that there are these sensations in the body that it that I didn't know were there before, and that they also, these exact same sensations, which I first discovered in the body, are extended outside the body. That was very interesting. And the second thing I would note is that, in terms of my own development, 
um, I guess I started off with various, so in, in the Buddhist tradition, they talk a lot about the, the, well, it's translated in English as elements, but a sort of more technical translation would be properties, the properties mm -hmm. of, of the body being, you know, earth, wind, <laughs> fire, um, water, and sometimes void, right? So when, when I'm trying to understand... Or as ether? ether. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, when, when, if you try to understand this as a sort of, um, uh, sort of, you know, the kind of empirically style sort of 2,000-year-old physics that it doesn't really work. But it's just about, you know, breath being this energetic aspect of the body, this sort of subtle movement of the nerves, movement of the breath, movement, in fact, a lot of blood, a lot of the sort of the constant sense of movement of the body, all sort of breath energy, the sense of solidity in the body, what your bones feel like, what sort of stable you feels like, that's earth, right? And then the sort of water and uh, uh, fire being the sort of these contrasting senses of temperature, which don't mm. always map on very neatly to what we thought. We feel like when we feel hot, when we feel cold. There's, there's a, a bunch of different gradations of things that that, that 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 basic sense of hot and cold can be broken, can be sort of teased out into very sort of subtle different things. Even like your own hand, there'll be bits which will feel hot, bits which will feel cold. Mm. Again, in ways which you just... At, at a first glance, really just you, you, what's happening is that you actually have quite a lot of different things going on, which if you don't really look at it, your mind just papers over as one big thing. Yeah. Right. So that was so that was basically my sort of first introduction to it. But the more and more and more I get into it, the more and more and more I start to think about it basically through a Chinese model mm. of qi. Mm. Right? And so that's pretty much the last thing I'll say. And here we are going a little bit more into the metaphysics of it, but you know, in the Chinese conception of the universe, there is basically just energy of various levels of condensation, right? Mm. At, at the most rarefied level, it's very uncondensed, right? And the, you know, the, but it's that very same exact thing then condenses to make the most solid matter and earth which you might expect, right? Um, and it does. So first of all, it does make sense a lot, lot to me metaphysically, um, uh, in terms of a, a basic theory of what, what matter and energy is. But also, it just that's the way that makes sense to me most, mm. in terms of my own contemplation of my own body. It is, it does feel like it is all just basically the same thing. Any sort of strict boundaries between this energy versus that energy versus that, it is all just energy. Just some of it's like oh, more clumped, right? Mm. Some of it's more thick. Some of it's more like mm. some of it's mm. really like floaty, right? Mm. Uh, but I basically think of it all as just chi, right? It's the easiest way for me to mm. make sense of this whole range of sort of, sort of vibrations and sensations in the body. So that I think should be a fairly good conceptual introduction yeah. to what we're, what we're talking about. Right? Yeah, thank you for that, David. Um, I suppose my own understanding of the subtle body and the chakras, now we will let, later get into what the chakras are. But uh, in my own experience, um, I was in the beginning not so sure of whether these things were metaphorical or whether these things were like hmm. real things. Hmm. And I suppose the beginning of my understanding that these things were real things, real that what does it mean to be something for real? Mm -hmm. Later I will get into that, but real they're, in terms they're of not, they're not feeling and they're sensation. Actually, they're yeah, there, they're present. you can feel them, right? Yeah. And it was my uh, introduction into Reiki, actually. And, and not when I received Reiki, but when I uh, was learning Reiki to become a Reiki instructor. And I became really aware and really sensitive to the, you know, to the different energies. And now, right now, I have a very simple like um, kind of method by which you can become aware of them, which is simply bring your awareness to the area of the body. Let's say the root chakra, which is the, you know, um, which is the bottom of your body, 
where the genital the is. Bottom of the spine, yeah. Yeah, bottom of the spine and your genitals. And most of the time your awareness is around your head, right? That's because you're always thinking. But if you bring your awareness to the area, then you, you begin to feel that area. And you can then breathe to that area. So, mm -hmm. so as you're breathing, you can bring the awareness. Now I'm like aware of the area that I can move upwards. I can go. Now I'm at the sacral. And I can go a bit more upwards. And, and just every, it's like levels to it. And with your awareness and your breath, you can become aware of, of a field that actually exists around an area of the body. So you begin to become aware of the energy fields around each area of the body, whether it's the root chakra or the sacral or the heart. So it was my experience with Reiki, um, becoming attuned to, to the sensations. And, um, and then my own practice with, with Reiki, so I, I placed my hand position and I think anyone can do that because I think it's, Reiki could be, you know, could be mis mystical, but I think you can demystify it if you don't like the language of Reiki or language of energy. Just awareness and breath and become aware of the central axis of your body. So you begin at the root chakra, you move upwards with your hands, and you're placing your hands in those areas. And all you're doing is just feeling your hands and the area of the body. You're not really doing anything. You're just feeling what it's like and the hands are useful because it allows you to tap into the energy because your hands sensation on the body actually give you a sensation your focus is automatically there um, and as a result you don't have to try to focus so you just feel what it's like and be very slow and patient with it so don't rush and breathe into those areas. And the sensations are like warmth for me, tingly. Um, interesting sensations that are mind-blowing for me is actually like shifting of muscles of mm. uh, the internal. I can even hear it. It's like mm. I can hear my stomach shifting mm. with my ears. Like it's an actual sound that it makes. Mm. So for me, that's like a confirmation something's happening because my hands are warming up. I'm feeling a tingly sensation. But also my stomach is actually making noises and not just my stomach. When I give Reiki to other people, similarly, um, I hear the stomach actually make a sound and it's quite amazing, you know. Um, so you can do that. I mean, the hands are interesting because they allow the focus to be gently on that area without you trying anything. And I found that in the beginning, if you want to meditate, it's very useful to do Reiki first or connect to the body first, connect to the energy, energetic system of the body first. Because somehow when you just place your hands on an area of your body, it's very easy to be with, with it. You don't struggle, it's effortless because you're doing a very simple activity. And the body also pulses, you feel pulsation sometimes. Um, in the area of your hands that you're placing. 
And the simplicity of this practice is that you're not really doing anything. You're just being with your body. You're being with that area. The language is being. You're not trying to receive or achieve anything. Um, and it's simply because when you bring your awareness to that area, your energy goes where your awareness goes. So if your awareness is in the area of the stomach area, then that's where your energy is going to go. So you're going to become aware of that energetic field around the sacral chakra, for example. So that was my um, first introduction to the energy, um, to energy and to the chakras. I don't, I cannot define energy. I can only say to you that I've experienced it. Um, now, energy is not a physical energy. It's not like, like energy through uh, the lenses of physics because they may not be able to detect that energy. I, I don't know. So I don't think it's that energy. I think it's the spiritual aspect of the physical energy. Um, or, or it could be physical and just have nothing to do with, uh, <clears throat> with, with the physical concept of, of energy, at least in like physics, yeah, you know, yeah. like it's kinetic, you know, yeah, yeah the, the, the motion of molecules, etc. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting. I think it does have some connection to physics because each in Hinduism, in yoga, each gland of the body is correlated with the energetic system. So like the pineal gland and the third eye chakra, the pineal gland and also another gland are, um, the pituitary gland, the yeah, pineal gland and the pituitary gland are associated with the third eye chakra. If you have problems um, with regards to eating, your eating habits, then maybe your sacral chakra or your root chakra in around the stomach area, so bad eating would actually affect the energetic system of that area. So there's that physical, spiritual connection. Um, there's the spiritual energetic system, but there's the correlation of the actual organs in the body, right? Uh, and that's important because it means you have to be healthy in terms of what you eat, um, exercising, meditating, um, as well as keeping your emotional and mental uh, domain healthy. So the energetic body for me is like a combination of mental and emotional uh, body. You may Some people may call it the soul. So you know in, 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 um, in Kabbalah you have this idea of spirit, body and, and soul, right? So spirit is like the awareness, the soul is the, I would say it's the energetic body, it's made of your mental and your emotional. And, uh, and so you, um, the, mental, uh, the mental aspect and the emotional aspect comprise your energetic body. Um, so that's, that was the beginning of my introduction into Reiki and into what chakras are and what the energetic body is. But then I also was studying sacred geometry at the same time, and they really uh, concretized these ideas and these feelings into an actual geometrical shape. Mm. What I currently believe is that your energetic body actually has a geometrical signature. Um, going back to the hermetic principle of as above, so below, um, everything, I mean, David, you began talking about the energe energetic body but I want to go back, step backwards and talk about the universe, right? The universe, when it's in stillness, there's just that pure awareness energy, right? There's no particular kind of energy. There's just stillness. But at the same time, as infinity begins to move, it begins to create, you know, uh, those, those chakras or those energy channels through which the universe experiences itself. So as above, so below. So the universe actually, the chakras that are within your body, now I use the 13th, 13th chakra model, not the seven. But 
I believe that whatever number the chakras are, it's not just to do with your body, it's to do with everything in the universe. It's the universe itself. So, um, so your own energetic body is the uh, image of the energetic, energetic system that, that is operating in the whole universe, right? So um, there is an interesting geometry, it's called the fruit of life. And this actually came to me last night as I was meditating on it. And it blew me away because um, I'm just going to show Kenneth and David what the fruit of light looks like. But you guys can check online what it looks like. It's basically um, one, two, three, four, five. It's five circles in the middle and five circles uh, on the right. And it's gone in, in a form of a kind of like a cross, right? I don't. Do you call this a cross? It kind of it's like, like it's like an it's like an asterisk sort of. Um, yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, an asterisk yeah, yeah. Without, yeah. without the Made horizontal circles. line. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So the fascinating thing about this <laughs> geometry, I mean, I, I, I've studied the chakra system. I've studied different systems, but this one for me is the most interesting because, um, when you connect the dots, it actually creates a hexagon, right? Mm -hmm. And apparently, hexagon uh, is one of the main primordial geometries in the world. Like apparently, supernovas form uh, in. In, in the form of uh, hexagons. And so I was doing this meditation, just very intuitively, starting at the center, but that's, that's the heart, right? Mm. That's, the center, that's the, center, the center of the heart chakra. And I was trying to move upwards and downwards. And then I thought to myself, where are the other, <laughs> where are these things going, right? What, what is about them, right? And I realized, holy crap, like, they actually like, they exist. These are like energetic um, chakras that are outside the body. And I, as I was be beginning to feel these energetic, um, these energies outside the body, as you can see, one goes on the right, on, um, on the upper side of my shoulder, one goes on the back. And I began to realize this is a wing. This is an actual wing. This is the upper part of the wing. This is the lower part of the wing. And this is exactly the upper part of the wing, of the left wing. This is the lower part of the wing. And I began to actually feel my wings. And when I felt it, I actually felt a little bit backwards. I was like, whoa, I can feel my wing now. I've, I've, actually, I've actually had a very similar, <laughs> yeah, very and, similar experience. And yeah. what's so trippy about this, right, is just last night I w as I was doing this meditation, I was just meditating on the symbol. I wasn't doing anything. Mm -hmm. And I intuitively began to move from the center to upwards and then mm -hmm. down. I was like but can I move to the side now? Mm. As I began to move to the side, mm -hmm. I had an image of a wing just straight away in my mind. And I was watching a YouTube video as well at the same time. Four seconds after I had the, the image of the wing, I saw a wing on that YouTube video on the exact spots that I was talking about. So not only I felt it, I also <laughs> realized that this may be a common thing. It's not maybe just something I'm conjuring up. Um, because the YouTube video, four seconds after I had visualized the wing, showed the wing. I was like, Jesus, when Rumi said, you're not made for crawling, you have wings, open your wings mm. and go fly. He wasn't talking, I mean, he was talking metaphorically and poetically, but double meaning. Mm. There's an actual <laughs> wing. Um, and the wing, I currently believe, is, is the vehicle for your transcendence, traveling to the astral realm, whether you go to the DMT world or whether you go to the astral world, you're, whether you're experiencing yourself out of the body, mm -hmm. you, you're going through this geometrical vehicle uh, that is called the Merkaba, and the Merkaba is within this. So when you connect the dots of the fruit of life, you create the Merkaba, 
and the Merkaba is just the, this these two uh, tetrahedrons mm -hmm. that are interconnected. So this goes around the body, and then the two circles, one on the left, one on the right, mm -hmm. they're connecting the wings, the upper side of the wing, and then these are the lower side of the wing. And the in this is, and this is your connection to Earth, and that's your connection to Heaven. And that's how you, this is, this is, in my view, the Metatrans cube is the perfect uh, description of, of the chakras and of the world, of the universe, in terms of the energy systems. You also have the downward triangle, which is the feminine, mm. um, it's going towards the earth, and the upward triangle, the masculine, which goes towards the heaven. Um, so that star shape in the middle, the tetrahedron, is the vehicle through which you travel, and you actually have wings around it. Now I want to show you one without with the actual wing uh, because the images really help to solidify what's going on here. Um, but what's amazing is so you have the geometry, but you also have the feelings. So you combine your your own personal experience of the chakras plus an understanding of the geometry of it, and it really begins to become like a real thing in your life as you you know, visualizing this fruit of life, visualizing the, uh, the Merkaba, the two tetrahedras around the body and your wings, you, know, you begin to feel it. And like, in the same way you bring awareness to the sacral, you can bring awareness to the wings, one on the left, one on, uh, two on the left, mm -hmm. two connections, two dots, right? And two on, two on the right. And they're like the upper and the lower part mm -hmm. of the wing. So you can like feel your wings. So, so, so I'm, I'm trying yeah. to understand, Ali. So, so you're saying, yeah. right, so you're thinking about this like you know hexagon figure and then you're picturing yourself um with these wings on your back right yeah you're visualizing this you're visual okay yeah you're visual yeah you're, vis you're visualizing this yeah hexagonal pattern and then you see these you you're also mm. visualizing these wings um that basically conform to that structure and then um and and then like i'm, I'm trying to understand like what exactly the energetic significance of that is so like mm. like so so yeah like yeah what exactly does that feel like aside from just like yeah picturing wings on your back yeah well because it happened last night i yeah. don't have too much experience with it yeah but it's when you do the Merkaba meditation yeah. or um the Met metatranscript meditation it acts as a kind of like um like a battery to recharge your your entire recharge and cleanse your your mental and your um, emotional body, your, your astral body, or your light body, whatever terms you guys prefer. It acts as a kind of like an uh, engine or a power system to power it up. But I do believe that in uh, if you do the meditations enough and the more you sensitive, the more you become sensitive to it, perhaps you could do conscious astral, astral projection or out of body uh, experiences uh, right. without doing all the extra like stuff of binaural beats going to trance state you may just be able to quickly become aware of it and see some places that you're not actually supposed to see like but, you're not yeah. physically present but if i understand correctly at the most basic level right it's just a, a sense of increased power um of a, a sort of like cleansing of your body right um yes you actually asked the right question a sense of becoming light okay so yeah, the yeah, wings yeah. are like you can fly with the wings right yeah. so you become okay. so light and you're okay like, okay so these are your <laughs> your heavenly kind of body. Mm -hmm. And why do we say an angels have wings? Is it an accident? I don't think so. And angels are just other dimensions or aspects of you, right? I don't believe angels are separate from you. So uh, becoming aware of the wings around the, uh, the body uh, can make you feel lighter 
but also give you a sensation of you falling backwards as if the wing is heavy. <laughs> yeah. You can feel the weight of the wing, but you, you are actually light. You feel like, oh, I can go and jump. Um, that's my, ex that has been my experience with it since last night, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, this was, a, you know, an experience that I had that was like, whoa, I just felt my wings. Like, what happened there? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so, so, yeah, so obviously we're getting into very um, supernatural, or at least spiritual territory. Yeah. I just wanted to make a, a quick um, connection to science insofar as like any kind of connection between science and, and spirituality isn't just like, you know, tenuous and artificial. Um, but I, I mean, I was, I was, I was struck by this notion that, that the, um, the patterns that you're presenting Ali, right, are hexagonal. Um, and actually like, um, in, in physics, um, and in, um, in the biological sciences, Mm. Um, hexagonal patterns have a lot of significance. Mm. Um, so in neuroscience, for example, um, there are these things called grid cells, um, which are basically important for tracking your uh, location in space. Mm. Um, it's a way of essentially tiling your brain's representation of physical space. Mm. Uh, and grid cells essentially form these hexagonal patterns. Mm. Um, there are even some neuroscientists, including people who work here at Oxford, that, that suggest that like, any kind of a space, not just a physical space, but a mental space, like mm. a conceptual space, mm. um, is also tiled hexagonally. Mm. Um, and then um, the reason why these hexagonal patterns are so important is that basically... Um, when it comes to uh, filling any kind of a space, the optimal way to do it is through a hexagonal pattern. That just happens mm -hmm. to be the pattern that minimizes energy. So yeah. if you take um, a 2D cloud of points uh, and, and you give it a certain kind of uh, quote unquote energy potential, um, which could be, for example, like attraction at short distance and repulsion at long distances, eventually, actually, the, um, the system, the cloud of points, will fall into a hexagonal pattern. Mm, mm. Um, mm. And, and again, obviously, right, connections between science and spirituality extremely yes. tenuous, yes. Um, and we should acknowledge that, but, but I just wanted to throw that out no. there.